With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Three, two, one. But I've worked out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Episode of the podcast, This Week America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, August 26th, 2021, people. And if I sound extra fired up today, it is because today is a great day, a great week, and a very busy week for both me and college sports in general. And so here is what we are going to talk about on today's show. Um, first of all, I will do a quick update, kind of life announcement deal. If you remember a few weeks ago, I explained that I was leaving Kentucky Sports Radio, did not have very many details. Many of you may have seen by now, but I do finally have some details as I have actually started my own media company, Aaron Torres Media. All of my writing, my podcast will be on AaronTorresOnline.com. Have hired a bunch of really good writers to work with me. And so what I want to do is kind of open the show, give you a couple uh, minutes on what I'm doing, how you can follow my work. Obviously, with this podcast, nothing has changed, but I will get into that momentarily. Really quick, some other topics as well. We will talk about, obviously, the huge college hoops news as Amani Bates is going to Memphis. Huge story. One of the most hyped high school recruits in recent years has committed to Memphis. And all of a sudden, Penny Hardaway wanted the smoke. He got all the smoke. We will take a quick break. We will come back. I will hit on two quick things college football related. This college football alliance, why I think it's actually really good for college football in general. I'll get you details on what you need to know there. And then we will quickly look ahead to week zero. We have five games this weekend. I'm not going to do a crazy breakdown. If you've ever listened to this show during college football season, you know that I, I, I love talking college football and I love previewing games on the final week, uh, final episode of the week. I'm not going to spend too much time. There is just not that much going on with this week's games. So quick week zero kind of look ahead to end the show. And I should mention, by the way, um, I was planning, I did an interview with Phil Steele from Phil Steele Magazine. Really great interview. I was going to run it. What, we're, what we'll do, though, is we will hold that interview until Monday because there is so much to get into in today's show. If you hear me mention Phil Steele in passing in a future segment, it is only because I was planning on running the Phil Steele interview. That will come on Monday. Before I do, though, I do want to do the corny, cliche, life announcement stuff. 
because if you listen to this podcast and if you've gotten to know me through the years via this podcast, you know, this podcast started as a Kentucky sports radio podcast in about, I don't know, three or so weeks ago, I announced that I was leaving KSR. Um, and I kind of told you I would have some details on my future and the future of my writing, my podcast, my everything that I do in the coming weeks. Well, the coming weeks have come. And since then, uh, the big news dropped on Wednesday as I have officially launched my own media company, Aaron Torres Media. It is a legitimate company. We got the paperwork from the state of California and everything. Uh, and everything that I do now going forward will be on the website, AaronTorresOnline.com. All of my writing will be found there. All of my podcasts will be found there. All of my YouTube content will be found there because ultimately, um, you know, over the last couple of years, that's been probably the number one complaint of mine. Torres, I like you, but I listen to your podcast, but I never know where to find your writing. Or Torres, I, I listen to your uh, radio show, but where do you write? Or how do I get to your podcast? Everything is available at Aaron Torres Online, and it is worth noting. I have hired some really talented writers to kind of check my weak spots, right? I have a great fantasy football writer named John Frisella who will actually be on this show next week uh, to preview the NFL season. Um, you know, Austin Montgomery does an incredible job breaking down NFL gambling picks. We have a fantasy, uh, daily fantasy writer named, named J.B. Barry. So a lot of really talented writers, all of my content now at AaronTorresOnline.com. In terms of why I made this decision, well, it's really a couple reasons. I think, first of all, look, Back during the pandemic a year or so ago, I think that I went through a lot of what, frankly, all of you guys did sitting at home, stuck at home. I'm here in California. I'm trying to figure out uh, uh, what's going on. I have all this free time that I have never had at any point in my adult life. And I kind of sat here and said, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? And so I don't mean to be melodramatic because I love what I do. I'm fortunate in what I do. But it was kind of one of those situations where, um, you know, I was writing for three, four, five different places. I had the podcast. I had the radio show. I had the YouTube channel. And I said, you know, everybody, as I said a minute ago, they want, they, they want, my, they want my stuff, but they don't know where to get it. And so one, is there one place that I can have it all Two, is there something that I can build out with people that I like and trust? The one thing that I find in this business, there are a ton of talented people that just never get an opportunity or they get an opportunity and then the boss leaves and then the new boss sheds pay. I mean, I've been through all of it in the media. And so I, I'm not going to lie. I've seen what Barstool has done. I've seen what Outkick the Coverage has done. I've seen what Matt Jones at Kentucky Sports Radio has done. And I said, can I build something like that under my name. That is what Aaron Torres Media is. And again, all of the writing is at AaronTorresOnline.com. The other reason I wanted to do it is because I'll be honest, and I know a lot of you guys know this because I've talked about it on this show. I'm kind of tired of, of, of modern sports media coverage. And listen, Am I guilty of a hot take or two or three or 10 or 15? Yeah, I do it all the time. I do it 35, 40 minutes an episode, every episode on this podcast, two to three times a week. So it's not as though I don't like the hot take culture or the opinion culture. That is what I'm in. But as I get further along in sports, I tend to see that less sports coverage is actually about sports. 
as I was writing the post to preview what Aaron Torres Media was all about, I go on social media and I see people arguing about the LSU COVID policy at Tiger Stadium. I see people arguing for the 10th year in a row, the 100th year in a row about the Notre Dame mascot. Is it offensive? Do we need to change the fight? And I'm like, this isn't why any of us got into sports in the first place, and it's not why we love sports. And the one thing that I repeatedly heard from you guys last year during the pandemic about this show was Torres. I don't always like you. I don't always agree with you. But the one thing that I respect, you always you always talk sports, and you clearly have a passion for sports. And I think that passion is dying in so many places in the media where everybody wants to be now a political expert. Everybody wants to be a vaccination expert. Everybody wants to have a – and it's like I just want to sit there and watch games and talk about them. And so in terms of Aaron Torres Online and the Aaron Torres Media Company, a couple things. One – we're going to have fun talking about sports. And so are we going to talk gambling? Yeah, I'm still doing my college football gambling picks on the website every single week. I'm still going to do picks on this show on the Thursday, Friday episode. And oh, by the way, I'm starting my own college football gambling podcast. Going to bring on insight from outside people. Going to talk about the biggest games. Going to do some stuff solo that, like I do on this show. But we're doing a college football gambling podcast because college football's gambling is fun. Gamble responsibly, but... You want to throw $10 on the game. That's fun. We are going to hit on the goofy things that have to do with sports. Not everything is offensive. Not everything has to anger everybody. I'll give you an example. Steph Curry's parents got divorced this week, okay? Sonia Curry has been the apple of Twitter's eye for the past 10 years since Steph Curry burst onto the scene at Davidson back in 2008 or 2009 or whatever it is. Divorce isn't funny. I'm not trying to make light of divorce. But some of the memes about the divorce were hysterical. And one thing on my website, Aaron Torres Online, and I hope all this makes sense, we are not going to take ourselves too seriously. We are going to have fun covering sports. We will toe the line. We're not going to offend people. We're not going to upset people. But we're also not going to lose our minds if people want to laugh every once in a while when it comes to sports. Beyond that, yes, we will cover sports in the traditional sense. And I think that's an important part. All of the stuff that you have followed me for to begin with, that is going to stay there. When Kentucky goes on a three-game losing streak in basketball this year, if that happens, I'm going to be talking about it. I'm going to be writing about it. I'm going to be calling out Coach Cal what went right, what went wrong. Um, on the flip side, we're going to talk recruiting. We're going to talk transfer portal. When Amani Bates commits this week, I am going to have a column on it on Aaron Torres online. And so the point I'm trying to make is this, is that all of the things that you guys I would think like me for, I don't think you would listen to this podcast if you didn't, all of the things that you guys like me for, that is what Aaron Torres Online is going to be about. We're obviously going to skew heavily into college football, into college basketball. We're going to do some gambling. As I said, I will have a college football gambling podcast coming up. We are hoping to close a deal with a gambling sponsor very soon here in the very foreseeable future. And also what I would say is in terms of why you like sports, we're also going to bring in people that help me with some of my weak spots. So I don't claim to be an NFL expert. I don't claim to be an NFL fantasy expert. So what I'm going to do, as I said, John Frisella, who I think is one of the most gifted fantasy writers that I've ever met, he will be writing on the site and he will also be hosting a fantasy podcast. I'm not going to claim to be a fantasy expert uh, to, to satiate my audience. Uh, but at the end of the day, I know you guys like it. I know you guys like fantasy. So we're going to have a great fantasy football writer. As I said, J.B. Barry is a kid that you need to know. Great daily fantasy writer. He'll be doing articles a couple times a week and a podcast himself. 
Austin Montgomery is going to do NFL gambling. Why? Because again, you like betting on games. It's fun. It's awesome. You guys have a good time. And so everything, what, what I would say is this, everything on the website is not going to be for everybody. But what I do think you'll do is you'll come there a few times a day, no different than you go to Barstool, no different than you go to a couple of your other favorite websites. Maybe it's Kentucky Sports Radio. Maybe if you're not a Kentucky fan, you have a team site that you go to. And you're going to get caught up on the biggest stories of the day. You're going to read a few articles that make you laugh, make you giggle. You'll see a headline that's funny. You'll see uh, a, a, an off-the-beaten-path um, social media story that maybe you missed. But you're going to come to Aaron Torres online and have fun. We are not going to talk about vaccination rates. We are not going to argue about if Kirk Cousins is a terrible human being because he's not vaccinated. We're not going to talk about if the Notre Dame fighting Irish uh, mascot is offensive. We're going to talk about the games. We're going to talk about gambling. We're going to have fun. We're going to laugh. When something funny happens, we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. And that is my pledge to you. In terms of the Aaron Torres podcast, nothing is going to change. We're going to talk about this CFB alliance here in about 30 seconds. And then from there, we'll get to Phil Steele, and we're just going to rock and roll. We got some great guests coming up in the coming weeks. We're going to talk a ton of college football. As we get closer to college basketball, you know we're rocking out with college basketball. I already got two marquee guests lined up for the start of college basketball season that we have not had on this show. So on top of Nate Oates, on top of Eric Musselman, on top of Rick Barnes, who I just had, we are going to have two guys, including one Hall of Famer, that I know are coming on here in the coming weeks that you do not want to miss. And so I hope that all makes sense as to what I'm doing. But I would say key points, Aaron Torres online. You're going to want to go there two or three times a day. It is meant to pass the time. It is meant to be an extension of this podcast where you have fun, where you go, where you laugh, in some cases where you think. Because one thing you know about me, I take, you know, I take interesting, I, I like to think anyway, that I take interesting angles. I hope I make you think on this podcast, and this is what that website is, is supposed to be. Again, we are going to have a college football gambling podcast. We're going to have a fantasy podcast, a daily fantasy podcast. Again, to get you guys fired up for football season, to give you guys the content that you want. I understand everything isn't going to be for everybody, but I do think if you are tired of sports co sports coverage that isn't really sports coverage, that's all political, that's all anger, that's all fake outrage, I think you're going to enjoy Aaron Torres Online. Because like I said, the one thing I can tell you is this. I love sports and I love talking about sports. And lastly, I should say, I want to thank you guys because when this podcast was rolling last summer in the middle of the pandemic and the numbers were going up during the pandemic, it made me realize that you guys want a place where you can go and talk sports and have a good time and laugh and smile and learn. Um, and you guys appreciate what I do. So that is the deal. Aaron Torres online. That is where all my work is going forward. What I do want to do now, though, is take a quick break. I did enough talking about myself and I want to transition. Amani Bates, he is coming to Memphis. I cannot believe that this story has happened two weeks ago. Uh, you, you know, two, three weeks ago, you hear this rumor. You don't think it's possible. Amani Bates joining Jalen Duran on the most interesting team in college basketball. I want to come back. I've talked enough about myself. Let's get to Amani Bates. I'm going to take a quick break. We'll talk Amani Bates. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Excited to be back with you. And first of all, I appreciate you guys letting me indulge you guys off the top, uh, talk a little bit about my present and future. 
when I left KSR a few weeks ago, so many of you guys reached out. You kind of said to me, like, Torres, is everything okay? Did something happen? Did they let you go? First of all, for the last time, let me say it, KSR is incredible. They are an incredible company. They treated me with nothing but the utmost respect to take it a step further on three sports, which they were recently acquired by. Those guys and girls treated me with nothing but respect. They tried to keep me, but I wanted to move on. I wanted to do my own thing. And now we have Aaron Torres Media. And so go to Aaron Torres online. All my writing is there. We have a bunch of different writers. I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to love it. I think we're going to crush it. I think we are going to make sports fun again for you. And I cannot wait for you guys to check it out. With that said, let's never forget the night that I announced that I was going to leave Kentucky Sports Radio. And why do I bring it up? Well, there's one reason. It's because I promised you the old Aaron Torres podcast was not going to change. And so because I have stuck to the commitment that this podcast would not change no matter who owns it or who runs it or whatever, let's get to a topic that the old school Aaron Torres podcast would get to, and that is how about Amani Bates? Amani Bates, I'll just do the quick thing. High school, legendary high school player, at one point regarded as the best high school player since LeBron, at one point compared to Kevin Durant, he was a member of the high school class of 2022, which means he was supposed to be a senior this coming year. He announces he is going to reclassify and play college basketball this year. Well, we get the announcement. We get the decision. Where is he going to go? Oh, he makes the announcement Wednesday, about 6.55 p.m. Eastern, and he's going to Memphis. And I know it was 6.55 Eastern because the family pulled the ultimate bait and switch. Uh, there were reports out on late Tuesday that Imani Bates was going to come in on Wednesday. The family puts out a statement. I don't know where this information is coming from. We're not committing until Friday. And then Wednesday at about 6.55 Eastern, Imani Bates commits to Memphis. I know that time because I was getting ready to do radio. So in terms of the details, let's get into them. It's kind of a crazy story. Because like I said, Amani Bates is originally a member of the high school class of 2022, which means that he was supposed to be a senior in high school this year. And it wasn't really until about five, six weeks ago that you started to hear some reports like Amani Bates might come play college basketball this year. And what was especially crazy was two things. He was so hyped that you kind of had the belief that he would never play college basketball regardless. But then two, he is actually young for his age. When high school players decide to reclassify, when they decide to skip their senior year, it's almost always because it helps them speed up the draft process in terms of getting to the NBA draft. To get to the NBA draft, you have to be one year removed from high school basketball. That's why you reclassify. And you also have to be 19 years old the year that you are going to enter the draft. And so every player basically that has reclassified to play college basketball a year early it is to get to college a year early because they're actually old for their age in high school and it makes them eligible for the NBA draft a year early. Marvin Bagley, as an example, would have turned 19 years old in his senior year of high school. And I think at some point his parents said, well, why are you going to play high school? You're dominating. Get to Duke faster. You get there a year early, but you turn 19 at the end of your freshman year and you're eligible for the NBA draft. Same with Carl Anthony Towns, same with Anthony Edwards. You go on and on down the list. What makes Amani Bates fascinating, he's born in January of 20, 2005, which first of all, I know makes a lot of you feel old. I remember where I was in January of 20, 2005. I, you know, I had a little hair on my chin. I, I was getting pretty up there in age. 
But Imani Bates was born in January 2005, which means he is not eligible for the next NBA draft. He is arriving at Memphis as a 17-year-old. But like I said, he's arriving as a prodigy. And so let's get into this commitment. Let's get into what it means because, first of all, it's great for Memphis. I mean, Memphis is getting a player. I know I said a minute ago he's been compared to LeBron James. He's been compared to Kevin Durant. If you follow my work at all, I have said from day one that is a completely unfair analogy. They should not be comparing him. They shouldn't be comparing any – no media member should be comparing any high school player to LeBron, to Kevin Durant. But even if he never becomes LeBron, never becomes Kevin Durant, when he is NBA draft eligible, he's going to be a top five pick. I mean, we're talking about a kid that's six foot eight, six foot nine, can score on all three levels, um, is incredibly skilled, is incredibly athletic, has 25 foot three point range, and he's just a really good basketball player. And so it's huge for Memphis because whenever you can add a top five prospect into your into your locker room, onto your team at any point in the calendar year, it's great. But to do it at the end of August, that's like some next level stuff. Shut up, Penny Hardaway. People, you can criticize Penny Hardaway for whatever. This is wild that it all came together. I would also say this is great for college basketball. College basketball, you guys know I love college basketball. It gets dragged through the mud. Oh, these kids, let them go to the NBA, this and that. College is so hard, life is so tough. College basketball stinks. Screw the NCAA. Well, how about this? How about the fact that in the last two, three weeks, two of the most highly touted high school players in recent memory both have committed to play college basketball? Jalen Duran a few weeks ago, and now Imani Bates. You can criticize college basketball for a lot of things, but a couple things. One, Shout out to the NCA for finally giving up on name image likeness because name image likeness has completely changed college basketball. First of all, just with Memphis, you have two guys that almost certainly would not be playing college basketball this year if name image likeness was not there in Imani Bates and in Jalen Duran. They're both playing college basketball because of name image likeness. It changed everything. But when you factor in name image likeness, the one time transfer rule, and oh, by the way, the COVID waiver that gives everyone an extra year. I'm just telling you, college basketball is going to be as stacked next year as I can ever remember. I actually put out my updated top 25 on Aaron Torres online. These teams are loaded. I mean, Kentucky, forget Memphis for a second. Kentucky, Severe Wheeler, all-SEC point guard. Uh, Kellen Grady, four-time all-A-10 guard. Oscar Shibway, former McDonald's All-American. Uh, C.J. Frederick, double-digit scorer at Iowa. You go on and on down the list. Texas is loaded. Villanova's loaded. Kansas is loaded. UCLA's loaded. Gonzaga's loaded. Duke is loaded. It's all because of all these factors coming together, but name, image, likeness is at the top of the list. And so shout-out to college basketball because this is great for college basketball. This makes Memphis must-watch TV. Everybody is going to be fascinated. If you're a basketball fan, you know who Imani Bates is, and you now have to watch. Great for Memphis, great for college basketball. What I would also say, and I've talked about a lot, the pressure is now on Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway said a few years ago, I want all the smoke. Well, you officially got all the smoke, my man. And my whole thing with Penny Hardaway, I've said it a million times, I respect the hell out of the guy. First of all, shout out for getting this done. I mean, imagine if I had told you, if you follow college hoops and you love college hoops, imagine if I had told you three months ago, May 15th, July, uh, June 1, July 1, 
Jalen Duran and Amani Bates are not only both going to college, they're both going to Memphis. You would have been like, you're out of your mind. Only that is exactly what has happened here. So shout out to Penny Hardaway for getting it done. Shout out to him for using name image likeness to his advantage because without name image likeness, I don't believe these kids would be in school. But at the same time, the pressure's now on. Every single year that Penny Hardaway has been at Memphis, they have not made the NCAA tournament. But every single year, there's been a built-in excuse, right? Year one, he's got Tubby Smith's players. Year two, he has James Wiseman. Then James Wiseman bounces. DJ Jeffries gets hurt. You can't really explain it. And even then, you're, you're right on the bubble, and COVID happens, and never, no NCAA tournament played. Last year, I've said it a million times, they were one of the 68 best teams by the end of the season. Then uh, they, they play Houston twice at the end of the year. They frankly should have beaten them at least once, probably twice, if they win even one of those games. They are an NCAA tournament team. So every single year, there's been an explanation. I'm just telling you right now, there is zero excuse for Memphis going into next season. That's not me tearing down Penny Hardaway. I hate Penny Hardaway. I'm just telling you the truth. There is no excuse for Penny Hardaway at this point. That is one of the most loaded rosters in college basketball. They legitimately go 12 to 13 deep at Memphis. And what's important to note is that Amani Bates and Jalen Duran aren't the only guys there. They have their two leading scorers back, Landers Nolly. They have their, uh, Landers Nolly and DeAndre Williams, excuse me. Lester Quinones is a really good college basketball player. They got another potential first-round draft pick in Earl Timberlake, who transferred in. They got talent. And in some ways, I don't envy Penny Hardaway for having to figure out how he is going to manage that roster. To be clear, you don't turn down Jalen Duran and Imani Bates if they want to come to your college even in August, but at the same time, you got a bunch of veterans, a bunch of college guys that have played college basketball that have been on campus all summer, working out, training, in the, you know, in the gym, in the weight room, probably at the track when it's 100 degrees plus, you know, plus humidity in Memphis, and now, it's, and now you got two high school All-Americans that show up expecting to play right away. That is not going to be an easy locker room. And lastly, I would say with Imani Bates, I, I hope you guys know, if you've ever listened to me before, I don't try to tear down high school players. I, I want everybody to succeed. I want Memphis to be really good, by the way. If Memphis is like 31-1, and one, that is the best thing possible for this business, for what I do. Um, but with Imani Bates, you know, I'll just be curious. I, I, I think he's going to be a really good player, but he's still only 17 years old. Um, you know, he is physically not as developed as a lot of college players. It's not as though he spent all summer on a college weight room. And so I just hope that he has success. I genuinely do because if you saw the reports throughout the last couple weeks, he told Jeff Goodman, like, straight up, I don't even want to play basketball anymore. People were acting so crazy saying stuff to me on social media. And I just worry, I'm not saying to feel sorry for him or anything, but, but you know, if it doesn't go well, how does that all work out, all that stuff? But at the end of the day, we don't have to talk about that. Today is a great day. It is a very exciting day for college basketball, for Amani Bates, for Penny Hardaway, and for Memphis. I'll say this for Memphis, the schedule with the AAC, you got to win your out-of-conference games. There aren't a ton of out-of-conference games, but really what it comes back down to, I should say not a ton of marquee out-of-conference games, but what it comes back down to is, as I said a minute ago, there are no excuses. There is no nothing. This is one of the most talented rosters in college basketball, and Penny Hardaway has no excuses. This should be a team, first of all, during the regular season, this should be like a 
Maybe not 33. I don't even think that's possible. Uh, <laughs> it should be, uh, you know, it, it, this should be a 29 and four team entering the NCAA tournament. This should be a 30 and and two team entering. Th- this team is that talented. I had somebody bring it up. If John Calipari had this roster and he didn't win a national championship, people would crush him. If Coach K had this roster and didn't win a national championship, people would crush him. If Bill Self had this roster and didn't win a national championship, people would crush him. So the pressure is on at Memphis, but again, this is just a fascinating story, and I cannot wait to watch. All right, really quick, what I want to do, just take a very quick break, come back. Let's talk some college football. Week zero is here. I want to start with this college football alliance, then just talk a little bit about the games this weekend. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the games. There's too many other big things going on in sports, too many other big games in week one, but I will be right back. We'll talk a little college football. All right, everybody, I am back. Uh, Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, Crazy episode with the personal announcement and Amani Bates. But guess what? There is a lot going on in the world of college football as well. And so what I want to do here, spend the next few minutes talking about this alliance between the conferences, the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten. And then I do want to talk some Week Zero because we are headed for the start of college football. I can't believe it's here. I'm so excited that we can just focus on the games on the field. We don't have to worry about all the crap that was going on off the field at this time last year. Really fired up to talk week zero. With that said, though, I do want to switch gears, and I do want to talk about the single biggest topic since we last spoke that really basically became official since the episode on Monday. If you remember on Monday, I kind of talked about this pseudo ACC Big Ten Pac-12 alliance that had been discussed. Nobody really knew what it meant, what it was supposed to do. And on Tuesday, we sort of got some details as all three conference commissioners, Kevin Warren from the Big Ten uh, and the ACC and Pac-12 commissioner, they all get on a joint press conference. They all have a joint Zoom background. They all have a joint message that is delivered to us. But the message doesn't really say anything. All they basically say is that the three conferences are in, you know, basically they're all working together going forward on the big issues that matter in college sports. Now, in terms of specifics, there weren't very many. Uh, There's some sort of loose scheduling alliance. We don't know when it's going to start. We don't know how it's going to work. The scheduling alliance doesn't stop these schools in the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 from scheduling SEC teams. So we have this kind of weird scheduling alliance, and we have, uh, you know, some some other odds and ends, but they're really, nothing is signed, nothing is official. We don't even have an official mission statement from these three conferences. Um, And naturally, when that happened, I think we saw a lot of people in, in the media kind of criticizing these three leagues like what are you doing why did we have this press conference what does it matter and it became the kind of social media echo chamber where everybody's getting off the same jokes and they're not very funny after a while but I will say this if you look at the overall messaging and if you look at the fact that while they don't have any one specific you know they don't have all the specific details lined up I actually like what the overall message was and I actually think yesterday was a good day for college football and college athletics as a whole, by the way, if you do, in fact, like college sports the way that they are. In terms of why, again, we don't know very much about this alliance, but in terms of why this alliance has come together, and to be clear, it is three conferences, 41 teams, all the school presidents signed off on this, and essentially what it was done was for two reasons. One, 
it was to make sure that nobody ends up like the Big 12 when Texas and Oklahoma decided on a whim that they were leaving the Big 12. And we all remember that story. I've obviously talked about it at length. Anybody who listens to this show has followed it closely and obviously cares about it. But we wake up one day in the middle of July during SEC media days, and we think, uh, you know, the Big 12 is one big happy family. Then there's the report from the Houston Chronicle that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. Uh, we find out within a day or two that it's a lot more serious than we initially realized. And from there, the Big 12 is in shambles. And so why this was put into place is to essentially make sure that this doesn't happen to the ACC, where they wake up one day and Clemson and Florida State are gone. Uh, one day, the Pac-12 wakes up and USC and Oregon are looking for a way out. Even the Big Ten, which is probably the probably the strongest conference among the, the three conferences here and all of the conferences outside of the SEC, even the Big Ten. You know, there could be a day where Ohio State decides that they want to make a separate move or Ohio State and Michigan want to branch off. This basically unifies the three conferences where nobody is going to poach anybody else's teams. The Big Ten isn't going to try to steal from the ACC. The ACC isn't going to try to steal from the Pac-12. And all of these 41 schools are committed to moving forward together. The other reason, which is very obvious, is that they want to combat some of the power that the SEC has gained really over the last like two decades, but definitely over the last two months, as now Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the conference. Now, it's not to say that the SEC isn't still the most powerful conference in college sports. It is by a country mile, to use an SEC term, country mile, get it, terrible joke, whatever. Uh, the SEC is still the most powerful conference in college football, and it's certainly powerful relative to all the other conferences, right? The Pac-12 really doesn't have all that much say in terms of what goes on in college football by itself because they can't get teams in the playoff and their teams are basically irrelevant right now. The ACC outside of Clemson is basically irrelevant. The Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan's a big brand, Penn State's a big brand, but they don't have the clout of the SEC. But what this, this alliance does, what, this, what, what happens when these three conferences come together is now they have to have an equitable seat at the table. Ohio State, as powerful as they are, can't take on the SEC by themselves. Uh, the Pac-12 as a conference can't take on the SEC by themselves. Clemson, whatever. But when you get all of them together, when you get the SEC on one side and you get Clemson and Ohio State and Michigan and Florida State and Miami and USC and Oregon and UCLA all on one side of the table against the SEC – all of a sudden, the SEC has to listen. I also believe that this was done in large part to make sure that not only does the SEC not have complete control of college football, but also, and I'm not saying this because I work for Fox Sports Radio, but also that the ESPN doesn't have complete control of college football because ESPN obviously right now broadcasts the entire college football playoff. They have a very financial, uh, a very big financial commitment to the SEC. And so obviously, the other conferences are sitting there saying, wait a second now, ESPN and the SEC basically work to get Oklahoma and Texas in. What are they going to do once we expand this playoff? And what do they have in mind for the future of college football? So now these other three conferences can sit on the other side. They can help negotiate playoff contracts and, and all that sort of stuff to, again, mitigate some of the SEC's power. The SEC is still the most powerful conference in college football, but again, when Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, Oregon, UCLA, uh, uh, Clemson, Florida State, Miami are all sitting on the other side, you have to listen. 
Now, although we didn't get very many details, what I do want to do now is talk about what this alliance means for the future of college sports, because I think if you like college sports the way that they are, there were a few talking points that came out of Tuesday's press conference that I do think are important. The first talking point, if you want an expanded college football playoff and you guys know where I stand on that, I was never in favor of it really until the last year when I saw that this is the Ohio State Clemson Alabama Invitational. If you want an expanded college football playoff, yesterday was a good day and here is why. Originally, when the SEC expanded to 16, uh, a lot of the conferences pushed back on the idea of a 12-team college football playoff, basically saying like, look, we can't have a 12-team college football playoff when the SEC, basically, to even backtrack, when first talk of the SEC, of, of the 12-team college football playoff came, it came via a working group of four different people that kind of put together all these proposals for the college football playoff. It was the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey. It was the Big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowlesby, who he stabbed in the back and stole Oklahoma and Texas from. It was the Mountain West commissioner, Craig Thompson, who was kind of representing the small schools, the group of five schools. And then finally, the Notre Dame athletic director, Jack Swarbrick. So when they put together this idea for the 12-team college football playoff, it was those four people. The Big, Te the Big 12 commissioner, the SEC commissioner, the Mountain West commissioner, and Notre Dame's athletic director. And so when the idea first came about that Texas and Oklahoma were leaving, all the other conferences pushed back on a 12-team college football playoff. They said, wait a second now. The SEC set up the college football playoff while stabbing the Big 12 in the back, getting their two best teams to the SEC. We're not going to approve the SEC Invitational where they set up this thing and then they rigged it to get four, five, six teams in every single year. Well, if you listen to the messaging from Tuesday, what the commissioners said on that conference call with the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 commissioner was, yeah, we're actually in favor of the 12-team college football playoff, and now that we have this alliance, we can work together with the SEC to figure out what is best for all of college football. Essentially, going into yesterday's meeting, it kind of felt like they felt like that the SEC, again, had basically rigged it. They, you know, uh, what's the word? Collusion, whatever the term is, where they set up the parameters and then they were the ones that were going to benefit the most. And so these three conferences have said, let's go back to the table. We like the idea of 12 teams, but now we will all have a say in it and we will figure it out together. It won't just be the SEC commissioner. So if you want a 12-team college football playoff, it sounds like it's coming. Now, there's still some semantics involved. The Pac-12 commissioner, I believe the term he used was, we have a few issues at the margins, which was the idea of where are the games going to be played, when are they going to be played, all that sort of stuff. But if you are in favor of a 12-team college football playoff, the messaging from this alliance between the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big Ten, that was good. The other good thing that came out of, of yesterday, of, of Tuesday, is I don't I, I think the the conference realignment land grab that we all thought was coming, it doesn't feel like it's coming anymore. And if you go back to the week, two weeks after the Texas Oklahoma news, um, you know, one thing that I talked about a lot on this show was the idea that with this move now taking place, it completely opens the door for crazy realignment, and we just didn't know what the next step was after Texas and Oklahoma leave for the SEC and where it would stop, right? I said it. Does the SEC stop at 16 teams? 
Does the Big Ten now feel like they have to go to 16 teams because the SEC is at 16 teams? Does the Big 12 try to merge with the Pac-12? Does the Pac-12 stay as it is? Does the Big 12 try to add teams? We didn't know what that next step was and what the impact would be on college football as a whole. Well, this alliance coming together, I do believe it basically put a kibosh on expansion, on realignment at the highest levels. I don't believe the Big Ten is going to add teams now. I don't believe the ACC is going to add teams now unless Notre Dame gets interested, which they won't because they have the sweetest deal going in college football. The Pac-12, I believe, will probably stay at 12, even though they kind of even publicly said this week, yeah, we're looking at it. But it feels as though this alignment makes sure that realignment is not going to be crazy. And more importantly, that these conferences themselves won't be stabbing each other in the back. Again, there was that crazy week where Miami reached out to the Big Ten and, and you know, eight, uh, Florida State and Clemson reached out to the SEC. It feels as though at the top of these conferences, realignment will not be coming, will not be fast and furious. Now, look. Could that group of eight teams in the Big 12 try to add two or four teams? I do believe so. I saw a report on Wednesday morning that potentially BYU, potentially Boise, potentially Cincinnati, those kinds of school could be in the mix. But at the highest levels, I do believe that we're at a place where we probably will not see a ton of realignment going forward. Finally, what I would say, the best part of yesterday's news, the best part of Tuesday's news in terms of the alliances concerned, is that if you like college sports the way that it is right now, the way, it grew, the way you grew up watching, the way that it's been for 50, 60, 70 years, yesterday was a good day for the most part of keeping that structure in place. Now look, are there going to be changes? There's been changes this summer, the one-time transfer rule, name, image, likeness. But what I'm talking about are the, the cataclysmic, major, earth-shattering changes that we, we thought could be on the horizon. Could the SEC form uh, you know, with the Big Ten and break away from the NCAA? Could we have four 16-team super conferences where geography doesn't matter and USC joins this conference and Clemson? All that stuff, I believe, is off the table, and I believe that's good for college sports if you like them the way that, that they are right now. Now, maybe some of you are masochists, okay? Maybe some of you wanted chaos and you wanted 40 teams to break off and, and create the greatest football conference that's ever existed. But at the same time, there were going to be repercussions for that. One, it was going to impact basically every school except for however many broke off from the NCAA. Uh, it was going to make every sport other than football completely irrelevant in college sports if stuff like that happened. You could criticize college basketball a lot, but we all love the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament's out the door if a bunch of schools broke off from the NCAA. It does not feel like that is on the table anymore, and I think it benefits the sports that are not football, like men's basketball and the NCAA tournament that we love, like you know the non-revenue sports. And I think that's an important part of this too, is that when you get these crazy realignment moves, everybody thinks about what it does for football. But think about what it does for everybody else in your athletic department. This was why I never thought it made sense for the Pac-12 to add those other eight schools in the, in the Big 12. Because yes, maybe from a football perspective, it makes a little bit of sense. But keep in mind, you got to do volleyball, tennis, golf, baseball, softball as well. 
Does it really make sense for the Pac-12? Does Ohio, does Oklahoma State and TCU really add so much value that now all of a sudden, not only do you have to worry about football, but now you're flying your volleyball team on a Tuesday night from Corvallis, Oregon to, uh, you know, to Stillwater, Oklahoma, so Oregon State can play Oklahoma State in football. So this move, I believe, stabilizes college sports for the immediate future. Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, said it's about the collegiate model staying the way that it is. And so, again, if you love college sports the way that it is and you didn't want to see USC joining the Big Ten or whatever, whatever craziness that was going to happen, this alliance was good. So don't listen to all the other media. Don't let them tell you that this nothing can. No, there was a lot of useful things that came out of this. And I'll say this ultimately. I give credit to these three conference commissioners for getting together for the good of, frankly, it's for their good of their own schools, it's for the good of their own conferences, but also it's for the good of college sports, I believe, to keep things as they are. They are going to mitigate some of the power of the SEC, and I believe that is a good thing going forward. I would mention on the back end, the only bad news, wouldn't want to be the Big 12 commissioner today because they got boxed out, and it is very clear that whatever the next iteration of college sports looks like, uh, it could be bad, 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 bad news for the current Big 10. Big 12, excuse me. But with that said, I do want to switch gears, and I do just kind of want to wrap with the week zero college football slate. And if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that at the end of the last episode every week during football season, I preview the weekend ahead. Um, and most times there's a lot of big games and I'll give you my favorite gambling picks. I'll preview some of the big games. So if Miami is playing Alabama, I'll break down the game. And then if I have a gambling pick, I'll give it to you there. But at the end of the day, uh, there just isn't that much to talk about from this week's week zero slate. And so we'll just go through a couple of the games really quick. I'm not going to overanalyze really bad teams. We got all season long to break down the good ones like Alabama, Clemson playing Georgia in week one. But this is what I want to do. I just want to talk about the slate, the big games, and if I have any gambling picks, which I'll be honest, I really only have one, and you're not going to like it, UConn fans. But the big game, the big game, the obvious one, it is Nebraska playing Illinois. And it, it was already the quote-unquote biggest game on the schedule. I uh, don't know how excited anybody was to watch it, but it definitely took on some uh, different meaning now with this latest report that came out a few weeks ago. I talked about it on the podcast last week that Nebraska is potentially in really hot water with the NCAA. I talked about it last week, but again, for people who forget, one, they were using those analyst non-coaching coaches to actually coach players. There is reportedly video of analysts on the field during games which is not allowed coaching players and then additionally they were working uh, they were working out their players during COVID when they weren't allowed any contact with their players at all and so what I have said all along was that I did not believe that coming into this season Scott Frost was on the hot seat uh, because Nebraska fans love him Nebraska fans want him to succeed and he's got this massive contract that would cost the school an arm and a leg to buy him out and I just think that the idea that he is an iconic player uh, he still carries cachet in that state he's one of their own I don't believe that he came into this season on the hot seat I do think that it changed though when we got the reports of potential NCAA rules violations both because he embarrassed the program and then furthermore beyond that um, you can now potentially fire him for cause if he is found guilty of breaking NCAA rules. And so I bring all that up to say it makes this Illinois game that much more interesting because Illinois, in case you have forgotten, Lovey Smith was the head coach. He was fired. Brett Bielema is in. And while I do think Brett Bielema, I know we got a lot of Arkansas fans that listen to this show and you want to make fun of Brett Bielema. 
I do think he's a, he's a Big Ten guy, and I do think he'll be pretty good at Illinois, but it ain't going to happen this year because they probably have the least talented roster in all of the Big Ten, which is through no fault of Brett Bielema's. He just inherited a bad, bad, bad program from Lovey Smith. And so when you look at this game, you don't want to say anything. How about this? A must-win game before week one, it's coming with Nebraska. Nebraska, by the way, Vegas does not like them. They opened as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. It is down to seven, six-and-a-half in some sports books. And Vegas doesn't believe in Nebraska. I don't believe in Nebraska. Now, I will not be betting this game personally. I will have plenty of gambling picks throughout the college football season. Will not be betting this game. But at the end of the day, this is a must-win game for Nebraska. If they lose this game, I think Scott Frost, independent of the NCAA investigation if he could just get to six and six get to a bowl game and get into next year I believe that he'll be fine as long as no NCAA rulings come down this year but if they lose this game you look at the schedule they ain't getting to six wins if they don't win this game they obviously play uh, uh, not as tough of a schedule as some other teams in the league because of the fact that they are in the Big Ten West which is the weaker division but They still do have Ohio State. They obviously have Wisconsin. They obviously have Iowa, a team that has taken care of them. Minnesota, I think, is going to be pretty good. And oh, by the way, they also have Oklahoma in the out-of-conference. And so, again, you look at that schedule. They lose this game. It's hard to find six wins on the schedule. I don't think Scott Frost will be back next year. This is a must-win game. I suspect that Illinois keeps it close. Nebraska, the problem with them, as it has been the last three years, Adrian Martinez, their quarterback, does not take care of the football. I do do not trust him. I will not trust him until I see him actually do it. I would lean Illinois, but I will not be betting this game. The only other real marquee game on the schedule on Saturday, and when I say marquee, I just mean from an interest perspective, it is Hawaii at UCLA. And I spent a lot of time talking about UCLA on the last episode, a team that I think is going to be better in the Pac-12 than a lot of people realize. But you also look at UCLA, and this is another one where Chip Kelly, he has been given every benefit of the doubt that you possibly can, but he's kind of out of excuses. This is year four. You can't be blaming what happened at G- with, uh, under Jim Mora three, four, five years ago when you're in year four. And you look at the win-loss records overall, three and nine in year one. Okay, it's year one. Four and eight in year two. Three and four last year. There's no excuses this year. Now, the good news is, as I told you, they return about 20 starters. They were actually clicking on offense by the end of last season, finished second in the Pac-12 in rushing, second in the Pac-12 in total offense, and they frankly should have beaten USC, and they should have beaten Oregon. So I'm excited about this team. The one thing I would say, be careful of Hawaii. Yes, they have that potent offense like they always do. For those who've forgotten, Todd Graham, the former Arizona State head coach, if you remember, he wore that goofy uh, side headset thing that looked like Britney Spears uh, at Caesars Palace or whatever, uh, that, that looked like a microphone. He is now the head coach at Hawaii. He's actually a pretty good coach. I would lean UCLA in this game. They're a 17-point favorite ultimately another one that I would stay away from in large part because also keep in mind UCLA has LSU at home next week in week one so you'd think UCLA doesn't want to put a ton on tape you would think UCLA wants to get their starters out as early as possible I do think UCLA wins but I would stay away from this game the final game I want to talk about in week zero how about my UConn Huskies making their triumphant return to the field if you remember 
Last year, they were the first ones to cancel college football season. Then a bunch of people followed. Then a bunch of people came back. UConn was only one of three schools that did not play in the fall. UConn, Old Dominion, and New Mexico State. And as Phil Steele said, New Mexico State got two games in in the spring, so it's not as though they're going in having not played at all. UConn, one of only two teams that didn't play. How about this? Playing a Fresno State team that went 3-3 three and three last year, and they're still a 27.5-point underdog. Now, what I would say to that is this. I actually think Fresno State's pretty good. Fresno State is a team, very interesting team. They had a first-year head coach last year. They were in one of the most restrictive counties in California. So one, they're in the Mountain West that canceled college football. But then when college football came back, they were one of the last schools that was actually able to get together. They did not practice as a team. How about this? Until September 25th of last year they did not get together as a team still managed to go three and one overall then they had a one-month COVID pause lost their last two but you look for a team and at some point this week on Aaron Torres online my new home for all my writing I will do my favorite college football over under win totals Fresno State's going to be one of them they're they're favored to win about six games this year I think they go over that and I hate to say it, UConn fans, I think they destroy UConn. If anything, bet the first half. They're a 27.5-point favorite Fresno State is. I think they're up by at least 14 to 21 at halftime, and they roll from there. In terms of the other games this weekend, for those of you that are just looking to get your college football fix, I cannot believe Week Zero is here. Uh, on top of Nebraska, Illinois, UConn, Fresno, and Hawaii, UCLA, UTEP, New Mexico State, Southern Utah, San Jose State. All right, that is it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. A lot of ground covered here in the last couple hours. I want to thank you guys very much for all of your support. And really quickly, I do just want to say again, um, in terms of why I decided to launch this Aaron Torres online experience and, uh, you know, uh, um, you know uh, uh, project, if you will, whatever, it's because of you guys. Last year during the pandemic, my podcast numbers actually went up and it made me realize you guys like me, you guys respect me. Um, you know, it's a situation where um, you might not always agree with me, but you tune in, you want to hear what I have to say. And I do think you guys appreciated that I stuck to sports and that I didn't go too far in one direction or the other and that I keep it real with you. And so because of that, I appreciate your guys' support. You are a big reason why I have decided to do what I'm doing with Aaron Torres online. Before we get out of here, make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres podcast, iTunes, the podcast, Addict App, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. And oh, by the way, Aaron Torres Online, we're going to have some fun there over these next few months, into the next few years, into eternity, because that is my permanent writing home. That is all for today's show. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. And oh, by the way, enjoy the college football week this weekend party, people. We'll speak to you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.